For today's daf, we are learning uh, daf cafe. We had started out with this machloket of Rabban Rava on uh, two different ways you might want to fix an enclosure that had previously uh, that had been enclosed not for residential purposes and was greater than the minimum measurement. One was to try to put like an amud, some kind of a pillar in the space to diminish the space. In other words, there's two solutions. One solution is to create a new enclosure and enclose the space now, l'shem dira. Now you're enclosing it for the sake of, uh, for the sake of residential use instead of for the sake of uh, something else, garden or whatever. That's one approach to changing the status of the area. The second approach would be to quantitatively diminish the amount of space so it's not over the requirement of the betzadayim. So we talked about those two things. And we saw that, that um, at the top of this Amud, so it said, <laughs> so if you use trees, it doesn't work. But if you put a pillar, so it says, if it's three Tfachim, it's not enough, right? That was, that was the, whole, the whole question. It has to be, uh, it would ha- if it was 10 Tfachim high and four wide, that's good. If it's less than three, then definitely not. From three to four, you had a question, right? If it's something between three and four, an amud between three and four tvachim that you're trying to use, right? It's machlok between Rabban Rava. And then similarly, when it was talking about making another, <coughs> if you want to make a new partition, so if you put the new partition within three tvachim of the previous one, it's, no, it's not going to help you because it's just going to be considered an extension of the original one. You're not putting a new partition. However, if it's three away uh, from three to four, so Rabbah said that's enough. Rabbah said, no, there has to be a significant amount of space of four tvachim in between the new wall and the previous wall to show that you're actually making a new enclosure and it's not just, a, uh, it's not just an extension of the previous one. That was the, uh, where we left off. And then we, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 15 lines from, that, from the top. It says, Rav Shimi matnil kula. Rav Shimi interpreted this leniently. Now this is a very, very vague statement of the Gemara and I don't think we would be able to actually understand what he's saying without Rashi here, who fills in the details. It says, In other words, according to Rav Shimi, the Bachloka between Rabban and Rava was not in a case between three and four Tvachim. On the contrary, everybody agrees if, there is a, if, it, if it is three Tvachim away, the new wall that you put in is three Tvachim away from the wall. Or if the amud that you put is three tvachim wide, that that's a significant space enough that it diminishes the usable area of the uh, of the enclosure, and therefore it's going to be significant. It was less than three tvachim that they argued about. What if it's less than three tvachim away from the original fence? What if it's less than three tvachim wide? This pillar that you put in, you put a pillar that's long but only three tvachim wide, let's say. So is that considered enough to? Um, uh, or, or it's ten tefachim high, rather, but it's less than three tefachim wide. Is that considered enough to diminish the usable space of the enclosure and to make it smaller? So, but anything three and above, everybody agrees that's good. That that that's how Rav Shimi understood. Okay, there's no there's no requirement of four. Now, let's say instead of putting a new wall, you put clay or whatever on the previous wall. And you, Rashi says, In other words, you cut down the, uh, the space of the enclosure by adding clay or whatever cement to the walls. So you made the walls 
that you made the walls extend further. By making the walls extend further, you uh, you you diminish the the usable area of enclosure, right? Like because if you make the walls thicker, obviously, right? So it says if that clay that you added could stand up by itself, then for sure. Meaning, if you took away the wall and that thick clay that you added would still be there. Then that's a, that's considered actually a, a real substantive change that you make. However, however, so then you have another machloket. Rabbi says even if it can't stand on its own, okay, it's still a miut because practically speaking, right now it cuts down the amount of usable space, doesn't it? So who cares if that part, that thickness that you added is dependent upon the original wall? So what? Still, it is. Thickness that now you diminished from the space of the wall, so that should be significant. That should be significant. Rabbi says no, since it's not substantive on its own. Rabbi says it counts as diminishing the usable area because practically speaking, right now it's there. But but since it can't stand on its own, it's insignificant. We view it as if it's not there. It's like certain things in halacha, like for example, if you if you use chach. Uh, on a sukkah, and that tzach on the sukkah is evergreen uh, tree. I don't know some tree that w- that like falls apart over very quickly. It starts to uh, it starts to shed very quickly. So we look at the tzach like it's not even there. We don't say, well, while it's there, it's okay. No, we say since it's going to waste away very quickly, it's like it's not there at all. So in the same way, you're saying since this is something that if we remove the wall, it would just collapse. It's not it's not something that stands on its own. So it's not considered a real diminishing. It's not like putting a pillar or pillars in the, you know, around the area to diminish the usable area. This is just clay attached to the wall or cement attached to the wall. If the wall wasn't there, it wouldn't be there. Right? Let's say there was a, one of the walls in this enclosure was a natural hill, right? Because you can use a natural hill. There was a natural cliff. And then there was other walls enclosing the area. That natural cliff, what you did was you... Three tvachim, let's say, or, or here it says dalid. You, you went four tvachim away and you made a mechitza, right? Ho'il, pachot migimel, or sefatatil. What if it was less than three tvachim? So, so, meaning if you made, since one of the, um, one of the walls of the enclosure, you can't just, um, you can't just repurpose the enclosure, like we said yesterday. If it was originally enclosed not for residential purposes, you can't just say, I hereby declare that this is for residential purposes. You can't do that. You have to add something. So you want to put a wall, but it has to be distant from the original wall, even though that original wall is a natural wall, let's say, right? So it's a, it's a, and again, we're always talking about here a large amount that the, the area inside is more than betza time, because if it was less than betza time, then any enclosure is okay to carry in on Shabbat. It's only when it's more than betza time. So you want to enclose it anew, a new enclosure. So it says, if it's away from the wall that was there before, then it's okay. Right? But if it's less than three tvachim away from that natural border that was already there, or you put it on the border, in other words, there's already a, a bump. Let's say there's three walls, and then the fourth wall is just like a cliff, okay? And you put on the cliff another wall on top of that, right? So it says, what if you did that? One says it works, one says it doesn't work. In other words, what's the, the difference here than the other case? The difference here than the other case is that this wasn't a man-made enclosure. This was a, a, a piece of dirt, a piece of earth that was raised. So it's not the same as what we said before, where you had a fence 
And you want to, and if you make another fence that's within three tvachim of that fence or that's on top of that fence, you're just adding to the original fence. You're not really creating something new. But here, this side of the enclosure was never actually a, uh, was never actually made by a person. It was just there. It wasn't like God put that piece of land there to mukaf for some reason it's uh, enclosed. No, it was just there and you decided to make other walls. So if, if, so according to one possibility, you could actually just add to that raised area of ground with, the, it's with a man-made thing or be, or be very close to it. Add a, add a fence very close to it because that wasn't put there with any intention. Well, I mean, it's nature. It was part of nature. Okay, so you can conclude that it was Rav Chisda that it said that it would work. Why? Because Rav Chisda said, if you put one mechitza on top of another mechitza, Rav Chisda says that adding a mechitza, this is contrary to what we saw before, because previously we saw that if you add a mechitza to a mechitza, it doesn't work for Shabbat. But he says, mechitza al gabei mechitza does work. Meaning, even if you already had a wall and you added to that wall, you added another section of the wall higher up or whatever, that's enough to repurpose the enclosure. That's not what we've seen so far. So far we've seen it has to be separate, but you see that he's more lenient. Rav Chista is saying that if you add to an existing wall, that also works. But what does means? That if a, if a convert to Judaism who has no Jewish relatives dies, he never married, he never had children, he has no Jewish relatives. So there's nobody to inherit him. So actually, technically, his property, according to Halakha, becomes hefkir, becomes ownerless. And whoever the first Jew is that goes can claim it because it's not, it doesn't have an, it's not passed automatically by the laws of Yerusha, by the laws of inheritance to a, to a relative. So if you go and you want to, how would you claim that land? You do something to the land to demonstrate that you're claiming it. Like nowadays they take a flag and they, you know, like they go to the moon and they say, this is, belongs to our country or whatever. You put a flag there. In, the, in, in their time, they would build something on the wall. Or they would build a wall or something. So it says, if there's already an enclosed area that belonged to this gear and he died, and you say, oh, I'd like to go claim it. It's hefker. You can't just add on to an existing wall. You have to do something new. So he says, there's a difference between Shabbat and Kinyanim. In the laws of Kinyanim and acquisition, it has to be a totally new thing. In the laws of Shabbat, it doesn't. Rav Sheshit says, even on Shabbat, it will not help because you didn't do anything totally new. You just added to an existing enclosure. And that existing enclosure was made with a certain kavanah. You can't cancel the kavanah by adding. You have to do something new in order to create a new intention. And therefore, you can conclude that it was Rav Chisda that said that if you have, certainly if you have a natural Elevation and you add to it, it's definitely going to be good enough to repurpose the enclosure. Because if a regular machitai says it will work, certainly a natural enclosure. That, that he says Rav Sheshit would agree that if you made the machitza up there and you stand on that elevated area, in other words, let's say for instance you have this, uh, you have this karpef, you have this area which is not enclosed for residential purposes, okay? And one of the sides, one of the walls of it is a like a cliff, okay? And you go onto that cliff and you make another fence up there and say, now I'm enclosing this, Lidira. Now, down on the floor, on the ground floor, Rav Sheshit is saying you wouldn't be able to carry there because you can't change the nature of the enclosure by adding to this cliff and just saying more. But Rav Chisda says, even he would agree that if you stand on the cliff, you'd be able to carry up there. Why? Because that's not within. Because he's actually using that upper mechitza that he created. 
In other words, he created a new partition even higher than the other partitions and he's up there using it. So definitely for that, he enclosed that for the purpose of dirah. It's just that that, according to Rav Sheshit, can't change the rest of the area that's on ground level. But it could change the status of the area above. Now, I love the imagination, you know? What happens if you did this, you made this upper mechitza on top of the, uh, on top of the hill that we just said doesn't work. But then that underneath part sinks into the ground. Okay? It sinks into the ground. So all of a sudden, like Yericho, you know, the walls sink in. All of a sudden, the wall that you built is a new wall. So what happens now? That's a, what a great mazal that you had. Because when you built it, you were told that it doesn't do anything. Right? But then it collapsed, the hill collapsed, now your wall is functioning. It's amazing. So what do you do? So the question is, Lemai. If you're, gonna, if you're asking regarding you're asking whether that is good to establish a Kenyan that if you had let's say you came to this ger, he, had, he had an enclosure like that that was closed on all, all the sides and, and one side was enclosed just by a cliff of, of ground and you built the fence on there and everyone will tell you that doesn't work right? even if Christa said that doesn't work but now that there was an earthquake and it sunk down and it's, it's serving as enclosure, you want to know if that will work. Well, that's the same as If you go, if a person were to go and throw like, uh, he took a, a, a turnip and he threw it into the ground. In other words, he wanted to acquire this ownerless property by demonstrating ownership, by doing something. And what did he do? He threw a turnip in the ground that's going to grow in there, I guess. You know, it's going to grow, right? So, But then a person came, I'm sorry, So he says, and then a guy comes after him. And what does the guy after him do? He goes and he makes a hole in the ground. So the question is, who... Uh, who acquired the field? So you might say, well, the first guy was the first person to do something. He threw a turnip in the ground. The second guy just dug a hole in the ground. But the difference is, but that, that says, no, the second guy. Right? So it says that doesn't work because the first guy, what did he do? He just dropped, there was already a hole in the ground and he dropped the turnip in there. And then the turnip is going to grow because the ground is going to nourish it. It's going to grow. He didn't actually do anything. He just dropped a turnip. He didn't change the ground in any way. He dropped it into a hole that was already there. So, and, and then by nature, it just grew. Okay? Whereas the second guy came and he actually softened up the ground and now somebody could plant there or do something. So he actually changed the ground. That's a real demonstration of ownership. That's called chazaka. That's called demonstrating ownership acquisition to chazaka. So it should work. Right? So the second guy gets it, even though the first guy was the first person to do something, the second guy's action directly immediately affected the land. The first guy just dropped the turnip and it's going to wait there until it grows and it's, he didn't really do anything. It's passive. So that's why the second guy. So in the same way, if you build a fence, but at the time you build it, it does nothing. And then because that, you know, that pillar, that uh, cliff collapses, now your fence all of a sudden comes into effect. That's passive. That's not going to be a good Kenyan because it's passive. Right? So, so, uh, right, you're asking me if it is good for Shabbat. It's going to be a machitza, it's going to be a wall that was made on Shabbat. And what's the rule? Shabbat, Ben Bishogeg, Ben Bemezid, Shema Machitza. 
that any mechitza that's made on Shabbat, whether it's made on purpose or by accident, is a mechitza, meaning even though it happened, you see that in Hilchot Shabbat, even if something happened passively, it happened on Shabbat. Okay, there was an avalanche and it created a mechitza. It creates Rishut HaYachid. Okay, so here too, something falls and it creates a mechitza, it should work, because you see, passive mechitza, they work on Shabbat. So that would be whether it happened before Shabbat or afterwards. It's saying kal v'chomer. I mean, if it even happens on Shabbat, it's good. So then definitely if it happened passively before Shabbat, it should be good. So, right? As opposed to kinyanim. In kinyanim, passive doesn't work. In Shabbat, because, and, and the logic, it makes sense. Because kinyan is you're demonstrating an intent with an action. You're demonstrating something with an action. Mechitzot is just a practical thing. Is it enclosed or not? Right? It's, packed. it's a situation. Right? So the situation can emerge on Shabbat and that's the way it is. But he says, Ki it, so the question is like this, Lav itmar Allah. Didn't we say though about the mechitza that comes into place on Shabbat, and it said whether it's bishogeg or b'mezid, whether it's by accident or on purpose, it doesn't matter. We learned that that's only true lizrok, we always see, this is how the rabbis explain, okay, there's a difference between a location that's enclosed that it's considered a reshut ha-yachid min ha-toah, that lizrok, that if you threw an object from a reshut ha-rabim into, into this area, it would be considered carrying because it's enclosed. Okay? There's a difference between that and letaltel, which means that the rabbis say you're allowed to move objects around. So for example, if you have an area that's enclosed and it's a, a million amot by a million amot, it doesn't matter. And it's enclosed, not lizrok, it's a field and it's enclosed. Now, mina Torah, that's Rashut HaYachid. The rabbis were the ones that said you can't carry in there. So that would be a case of Lizrok is Asur. Obviously, if you throw from Rashut HaRabim in there, you're moving from Rashut HaRabim to Rashut HaYachid. It's only in there, they didn't give you the benefit of a Rashut HaYachid. The rabbis prohibited it, okay? That is what it means. So you see that Mechitzot Hana'asot Me'alehen, if you have the mechitzot that come into existence on their own, yes, it creates a partition, and therefore, Rishut HaYachid, according to the Torah, like you said, is like just a situation. It's not really an intention, but from a rabbinic standpoint, it's intention. So therefore, it's going to have a problem of a limitation. Right? Ki itmar de Rav Nachman amezid itmar. But I want to clarify, no. Rav Nachman only intended that about the mezid. Meaning, if it happens bishogeg or passively, even he would agree it's okay. Even he would agree it's okay. It's only he said b'mezid. If somebody goes and they actually make a partition on Shabbat and they do it b'isur on purpose, they did a violation, so there we don't allow people to use it l'chatchila on Shabbat. Yes, it is technically a, an enclosed area, but we don't allow them to use it. But if the person, if it happened by accident or it happened mimela, it happened like uh, uh, it just uh, automatically like this, so then it would be good. So it should, that it should work. Okay, now, we're, now it says, There was a lady who wanted to go claim the unclaimed uh, uh, assets of a field or whatever of a, of a convert that died. And so she built We said that doesn't work because she's not adding anything. She built a mechitza on top of an existing mechitza. So then a guy comes and he dug a little bit in the ground. And now they had a court case. They went to sue each other. Who, who was first? So Rav Nachman said the man is the one who uh, gets it. But now we understand why because we just saw, right? But it says, The lady came and she started uh, screaming. Like, what do you mean? I was there first. I built, uh, uh, I built a wall on this. And how can you say that? And uh, what can I do for you? He said, 
you didn't take possession the way that people take possession, meaning that what you did wasn't recognized as a legal act of acquisition because you just added to an existing enclosure. You have to do something new. That was already an enclosed place. So what did you really, how did you improve the land or contribute anything? You didn't contribute anything. You just made the wall higher. But you didn't do anything that wasn't already there. So that's not going to count as an acquisition. Let's say you have an area that is not enclosed for residential purposes. Karpev is this outdoor area. But it's three se'ah of areas. So bet satayim is usually your limit. This is three. So it's definitely too much. Too much to carry in there. But you took one third of it and you made it a roofed area. You put a roof over it. So there's only two. There's only bet satayim that's unroofed. And that you should, and a bet satayim is the maximum. So you're up to the maximum. So can you carry now? Because you roofed part of it. So maybe that's not considered a part of the karpev anymore. So it says, Rava says, even the area that has the roof over it is added to the karpev. So even though there's a section that has a roof, it doesn't matter. It's still considered a three se'ah area and not a two se'ah area. However, he says, the area that is under the roof is not counted. It's a separate area. And therefore, you only have a two se'ah area of um, non-residential enclosure. And that's okay. So maybe this machloket of Ravan Rabbi Zerah is exactly the same as the machloket between Rav and Shmuel. It should be Rabba, not Rava. Right? Maybe it's the same machloket. Let's say you have an achsadra. Achsadra is like a um, is, is like these old areas that have like uh, pillars with a kind of roof over it, but no walls. That's how Rashi describes it. Tosafot says, no, it has two walls, it has three walls, but I think the the most of the depictions of it and the way Rashi describes it is it's just like Pillars with a with a top on it, but it's open on all the sides. It's like one of these outdoor, uh, like a palladium or whatever they call it, right? That that it's like a uh, it's like an open open area. So this kind of a thing. The question is, can you carry? So it's bibikah. It's in a valley, which means it is in an area which would normally be karmelit, not a rishut but it would normally be you couldn't carry there. But it, so the point is that according to the way Rashi interprets it, you basically have a roof with no walls. That's, that's how Rashi interprets it. Tosvot says, no, there are two walls, there are three. Okay, that's different. But either way, Rav says, you can carry in there. Shmuel says, no, it's too open. We have a rule. Which means the edge of a, of a roof comes down and closes off. Now we use that concept normally in Halakha when there are already three walls and they have just a fourth wall open and we say the fourth wall is closed. The way Rashi's interpreting it here it would apply to all the walls. In other words, because there's a roof, we imagine legally as if the roof also comes down on the sides and encloses the place and so therefore it's sealed. And Shmuel says, we don't maintain, we don't have this concept of maybe in certain cases he would apply it, but not here. And therefore, um, and therefore, it's not considered enclosed and you can't carry in there. Now, that would be similar to the situation we're talking about. Because the question is, if you say, in the, in the case where you have one third of this unre- non-residential area has a roof over it, say, it's a separate area. That area that's roofed is separate. And all you have is two se'ah of un- non-residential area. And that's okay. Right? But if you say, so then you're saying the whole three sa'a area is one area. There's no, the roof doesn't create any partition down horizontally. It's only, it, I'm sorry, uh, vertically. It's only horizontal. And therefore, uh, it, it's not going to benefit you. Right? That's, that's the question. Now, 
the avida ki achsadra hachinami. You're right. If you're going like, meaning it says that if you, if this were a case, if the case that they were talking about with the karpef was a case where the roof is totally straight, like achsadra, where the roof is horizontal and flat, you're right. Even Rabbah would agree with Rav that pi tikra yored v'sotem, that we say that the outer edge of a roof, it's as if it comes down. And then we would say that if you have two, you have one third of this area has a roof over it, that one third would be sealed off from the rest. However, what we're talking about here is we're talking about where you, it was like orzila, which is a slanted roof that they would use for like a, um, uh, he says that, uh, um, you know, like most of their roofs that back then were, um, were flat, right? So it says, if it was a slanted roof, so there the question is, does it apply or not? So this is how they, they say, okay, Rav and Shmuel were arguing about a case where the roof was flat. There we follow Rav, and we say that But here we're talking about where it was diagonal. Diagonal, what do you mean goes down? If you extend it down, it doesn't make a, it doesn't make a wall. It goes this way, goes diagonal. So it's not the same. That's the machloket that we have in our Gemara between Rabba and Rabbi Zerah, a different case. Now, Amar Rabbi Zerah says, I would agree. That if this karpef, if this unresidential, non-residential area is open, is broken completely to a chatzer, it's broken completely, now you can't carry. Because there I would tell you, in other words, you have a karpef that let's say is exactly a bit time. It's exactly the maximum size. But now the wall that was separating this non-residential area from the chatzer is broken. And now it's freely open into the chatzer. says, now that is like added on to the space of the non-residential area and you won't be able to carry now. So the question is, what's the reason? But the problem is, how can the the air space of the chatzer, where it's permitted to carry, create a problem for this non-residential area? The place where the chatzer you're allowed to carry in. So what's the pro- why should that space pose a problem for the for the for the non-residential even though it's open to it why should it make it worse it should it shouldn't cause any problem Amalei Abaye Keman Abaye says who are you going like obviously Rabbi Shimon you must be going like Rabbi Shimon why because Rabbi Shimon is the one that says all outdoor enclosed areas are the same you can move things from a karpef to a chatzer, from a chatzer to a kapeh, from gagot to a chatzer. Any object that was outside before Shabbat, even without eruvei chatzerot, without anything, you can move stuff from one enclosure to another and it's no problem. And so therefore from this kapeh that was permitted before Shabbat because it was the maximum amount and now the wall broke and the chatzer, you could go back and forth normally between the two of them. Right? According to Rabbi Shimon. But according to the rabbis, that two different kinds of areas, if they don't have, a, uh, if they don't have like Erovei Chatzerot or something, you can't move things from one to the other. They would say, now you've opened an opening from a place that you can carry to a place that you can't carry because there was no connection between that Karpif and that Chatzer before. And now there is. According to Rabbi Shimon, all outdoor enclosures are created equal. They're all equal. We've seen it before. But according to the rabbis, it would be a problem. But it says the Rabbi Shimon Nami. Ha'ika avir mekom but what about the airspace of Mekom Mechitzot? In other words, the area that was broken that is not really a part of the Chatzer, but is actually now the airspace that's created by the thickness of the walls that broke down, right? Because the wall that broke down has its own thickness, which is now airspace. That airspace should be added to the Karpef. And if it's added to the, because it's not really part of the airspace of the Chatzer, because it's not part of the indoors of the Chatzer, 
And that means that you went over the maximum for the kapif. So you shouldn't be able to carry now in the kapif because of that. Even according to Rabbi Shimon, because even Rabbi Shimon agrees that if the kapif is more than 200, uh, than uh, two sa'ah um, uh, in its area, that you're not allowed to, that you're not allowed to carry in there. Because didn't Rav Chizda say, if a kapif opens up completely to a chatzir, meaning there's no wall left of the of the kapif, only you see chatzir, right? Even though the chatzir might be wider. So the chatzir sees walls. But the kapif is completely open on its third side now. In the chatzir, you can't carry in the kapif. You can only carry in the chatzir. And the assumption is why? That because that airspace that was added to the kapif from the open walls, from the breached wall, now gets it over the limit of its area that it's allowed to have. Okay? And that's, that will be And the reason why you're allowed, what's the reason why you can carry in the courtyard? Because because the chatzer still, if you're in the chatzer, you see on either side of you, the walls that were left over from the breach. But they we're assuming the karpef is narrower. So if you're in the karpef, all you see is that your, your fourth wall is completely open into the chatzer, right? But if you're in the chatzer, you will see the leftover wall because it was wider, okay? That's the reason. But if that's the reason, we have a problem because that's assuming because what if it's the opposite? What if the karpev was very wide and the chatzer was more narrow? And so the entire fourth wall of the chatzer was broken down. So if you're in the chatzer, you see right on the fourth side, it's completely open and all you see is karpif. And the karpif is wider. And if you were in the karpif, you would see on the side, the walls of the karpif. So how do you know that it's always going to be that the person in the chatzer has the benefit of gifufei, of these side pieces, and the person in the karpif will not? It's not always true. So it says, Ela mishum damrinan. The reason why there's a difference is not because of the pieces of the wall sticking out on either side. Because if that were true, then it would not depend on whether you're in the chatzer or the karpef. It would depend which one was wider. If the karpef was wider and it still had wall that you could see from within the karpef, it would be considered permitted to carry in there, but maybe not in the chatzer because it's wide open on the fourth side. And if you were in the, and if it was vice versa, that you could see uh, edges of the wall on either side from the chatzer because the karpef was narrower, but the karpef completely was missing its fourth wall because its fourth wall was less than the width of the uh, chatzer. So then in the karpef you wouldn't be allowed to carry, in the chatzer you would. So it can't be that that's the reason. What's the reason, says Abu Because when that wall breaks open, the airspace that's now added to the karpef takes it over the limit. It was exactly at the limit of betzataim. And now it's betzataim plus the thickness of the wall that was breached. That addition doesn't, the chatzer doesn't get affected by it, because a chatzer could be as big as you want. A chatzer has no limit. But the karpef that was at its limit already, that little additional amount of space now that was added to it, since we, we could consider it being added to both, but the addition to the chatzer doesn't make a difference, but the addition to the karpef does, and that's why it becomes prohibited because of the air space of that wall. Now it says, There was once a like orchard, and that was right next to the wall of a mansion. Like the mansion's wall was one of the walls of the enclosure of this orchard. Nafal ashita bariyata da afadna. 
the outer wall of the mansion fell. So now the mansion is open to this orchard. Now, the way that Rashi explains it, the only way that you can understand the case in terms of the halachot that we've learned so far, is that originally this area was a non-residential park. It was not used for residential purpose. It was just for growing trees or whatever. Or not trees, actually. Growing whatever it was. And then they decided to make it part of it, like a backyard for the mansion. And so they made this, they, when they built the wall of the mansion and they put a door in the wall of the mansion to show that this was going to be the backyard of the mansion. So the enclosure was done with that kavanah to be, to repurpose that area with the trees and the plants and everything as a kind of, uh, as a kind of residential extension. Okay, but now that wall fell down, and that wall was the wall that was making it what it was. So it says, Savarav bivi or bevai usually lemeimar lismoch aguda gaviata. He said, really, we can just use the other wall of the mansion because obviously three of the four walls of the mansion are still there. Only the wall of the mansion that was facing this outside area was has fallen. So we could say that okay, the inner wall, meaning let's say that that wall was the one that fell down. And now we could see the trees right there, but that wall back there is still there. So we'll say that wall completes the enclosure. We just now extended the enclosure. Now the house is included with that orchard or whatever, and it goes all the way. And it'll go all the way around as if the house and the backyard are now one entity instead of just that wall of the house being part of the outdoors entity. Right now the whole thing is one big thing. Why can't we say that? But he said, no, you can't do that. Amritu mili muliyata. He said, because you come from a place that have very short lives. It says, because they were from the family of Elia Kohen, from the, from Sefer Shmuel, that were cursed that they would have very short lives. Okay? So it says, so you are from a, uh, uh, you are from a, uh, a, a family. It says, mi bet Eli. He came from bet Eli. It means cut off. Because you have a cut off life, because you come from the light, from the house of Eli that was cursed that they were gonna, because of the sons of Eli were so bad, therefore you say cut off things, things that are not good, it's, it's not right. So I said, what, so what's the halacha? He said, no. You can't, that wall, when they put it and they designed it, they designed it in order to have an exit to that area, and it was designed to be an enclosure for that orchard. But this wall was not. You can't just automatically say, now this wall is going to be an a part of the enclosure of the backyard. It's not, right? It can't automatically get that status. So therefore it won't work, right? Now it says, in other, literally it means, <laughs> these walls were made for the inside, not for the outside, right? Now, <laughs> there was a certain area of um, lots of trees and stuff like that that they wanted to go sit in that was in a very large um, pardis, a very large orchard area that was not considered mukaf dira. It was like a park for walking around or whatever, but it wasn't considered mukaf dira. And they wanted to, they, and, and so, they, but it had a nice tree area in there and it was more than the size of, of Betza time. So you normally you couldn't carry it on Shabbat. But why don't you make something? It would be really nice to have a picnic back there tomorrow on Shabbat. But we can't carry. Why don't we do something? Takanta, a little tikkun, fix up, so that we can actually carry back there tomorrow. It'll be so nice. So Azal, Avad what he did was he put sticks in the ground to make a new partition, less than three tvachim from each other, to make like a new enclosure around the area so they'd be able to use it, they, repurposing it for eating, repurposing it for, uh, <coughs> for um, residential purposes. But then what happened? Azal Rava came. 
He, and he, and Shalfinu, he took away all those sticks. He said, you don't need anything. This, uh, you don't need this. And Azar Rav Papa, Rav Una, Rav Yoshua, Naktenu Mibatrei. Not only that, but then Rav Papa and Rav Una came and they took away the sticks altogether so that Rav Una wouldn't put them back. They said, what are you doing putting sticks in the ground? You don't need this. The place is enclosed already. So Lemachar Etebe Ravina Rava. The next day, when they wanted to go out for the picnic, Ravina said to Rava, wait a second, Ir Chadash Amodadin La, Mishivata, Vishana Mechomata. We're going to learn about more about this in, when we talk about Eruvet Chumin. But basically, how do you determine what the city limit is of a place? So if it's a new place, you measure it from the last house that was settled. That's the edge of the city. If you, if you determine, if it was enclosed, if it's old, rather, you go by the wall. What is new and what is old? It doesn't, it's not about age. New means that they first enclosed it and then they settled. In other words, there was an enclosed area already and they decided to come and settle in there. So the enclosure preceded the settlement. It wasn't to enclose the settlement. It already existed. Old means that they first settled and then they made the wall. So since they first settled and then made the wall, the enclosure was created from the beginning to enclose that settlement, right? So therefore, it's considered a part of the settlement as opposed to if they just settle in a place that already happened to have an enclosure, whether natural or artificial, you can't really count that enclosure as part of their settlement because it was there before they came. They just took advantage of it. So in the same way, this area was already enclosed, not for residential purposes before. Now you wanted to make it enclosed for residential purposes. The enclosure that existed before will not count, right? This is the same thing, that it was already set up. This pardes for many days was, uh, was, um, you know, was not made for dirat. It wasn't made for any kind of residential activity. It was just a place that was growing trees and plants and whatever. Maybe people strolled through it, but it wasn't considered hukaf dirat, and it was too big. And now you want to all of a sudden say it is hukaf dirat, that it isn't closed for the, for residential purposes. You can't do that. But don't you learn, didn't we learn? Didn't, and, and again, this is Rav Papa saying, and Rav Papa was one of the ones who took away the... Um, the sticks, right? Now, but interestingly, he's saying to Rava also, right? So, in other words, Ravina said to Rava, this is a problem. And Rav Papa said to Rava, that the mechitzot of Darchalin, these are like, Adrichal uh, today is like an architect, but it's, it's saying like construction workers, basically. They would, they would make mechitzot to, uh, to shield them from the sun. Lashma mechitza, that, that's not really considered a wall. So, Alma, kevandele tzniuta avidala, He's saying these mechitzot are not considered to be mechitzot uh, at all for, with, the, with regard to the um, workers because they're just putting it up for, uh, to, uh, temporarily in order, to, uh, in order to shield them from the sun. So anything which is there, and um, Moreover, a machitza that's made for storage to protect items 
um, not to live there but protect items is not considered a mechitza. So in other words, the point is that the only reason why they didn't close this area beforehand was not for residential purposes, but to protect people from the sun when they were working there or doing their, you know, doing their work or, or to give them privacy when they were doing the work, but not for dira purposes. So it wouldn't count. And similarly, any mechitza that's made to protect property is not really considered mechitza. Mishum peirad beitorei. Now, and v'ha peirad beitorei k'mchitzas elenachad damya. So the thing is that in in mechosa, the way that the city was constructed was the chatzerot were open to each other, but there was no open space because in between each chatzer was like an alleyway, like we've seen a mavoi normally, but even those alleyways were sealed on both sides. All the way down. So if you looked at Machozah from what we call a bird's eye view, it looks like a square that is totally sealed. Even though it's, let's say, multiple chatzerot, but in between the chatzerot, even those alleys were sealed because they had the food of the animals in there and they didn't want it to be damaged. So since they kept the food of the animals in those alleyways between the chatzerot, therefore they also sealed them off. So really, technically speaking, the entire city was one enclosure. But the enclosure of those in-between alleyways was not done for human use. It was done to protect the food of the animals. Okay, not for human use. So it doesn't count as enclosure. So therefore, what does it say? It says that he made an Eruv Chatserot for each and every one of the Chatserot. In other words, he didn't say, well, since really it's all sealed. It's all enclosed. It's all one uh, Chatser, really. With spaces in between, but there's no opening on the side. So it's all one enclosed city. So really we should be able to make one Erov Echatzerot for the whole thing. But since the enclosures of the, of the strips in between the Chatzerot were, were not there for human use, but were there for protecting the food of the animals, he didn't count that and he said each Chatzer needs its own Erov Echatzerot because of that. Okay? So what do you see? You see that enclosure that's done to protect food or property is also not considered enclosure. It's only those that are done to facilitate Dirad, some kind of residential behavior, eating, sleeping, so on, counts as enclosed for dirah. And so therefore, this enclosure cannot be counted as an enclosure. So they give all these reasons, right? They said, first of all, the, it, it, the enclosure preceded your intent to want to use it as dirah. Second of all, it's only made to protect the workers from the sun. Third of all, if, even if you're going to say it's not just to protect that, it's to protect uh, the property that when people would take off their jackets and stuff like that, it wouldn't become damaged, you know, it wouldn't be, people wouldn't come steal it when they were working or whatever, okay? All of these reasons are not dirah. So therefore, this enclosure should not be dirah. And therefore, what did they do? Basically, because they had removed the sticks before Shabbat, now they couldn't go have their picnic now. And so the Reish Galuta said, Kare alayu Reish Galuta, the exilarch said, They are wise to do evil, but to do good they don't know. Meaning these Chachamim cause more trouble. You know? Because the first, the first guy was right. He set it up that we could have a beautiful picnic outdoors. And then these Chachamim said, no, we're smarter than you. We're going to remove the, 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 the tikkun that you made and undo it. And then, oh, on Shabbat, they figure out from all this discussion that really they were wrong and they messed it up. So from their wisdom came problems that we can't have our picnic, you know, and, and they should have kept it to themselves and just left, the, left uh, good enough alone, as they say. But they made the mistake of intervening and then only when it was too late realizing, oh, our intervention was, was a misunderstanding. Right? So that's why you have to be careful and uh, not jump in to intervene without being sure that you really know what the, uh, the full parameter of the situation is.